You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, we're here on a Wednesday on Locked On NFL. I'm Tony Wiggins, along with my running mate, James Rapine. One of us is riding shotgun. It doesn't matter who. Uh, shotgun, people always thought shotgun was in the back seat. Shotgun is, no, shotgun is the one sitting in the passenger seat, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right, James? Is that how y'all roll in Cincinnati? That's right. My feet are up right now. I'm watching you drive, Wig, just uh, just hanging out. <laughs> All right, that's right. Make sure you got a koofy covering that vet, that beverage, man, so we don't get in trouble because I'm drinking water as we ride, man. You know, how you, how you been doing there? Everything's good? Things are good. Things are good. The snow is melting. Uh, it feels more like spring. Uh, there's talk of reds in the air. What? So the, the, the fact that that's happening is, uh, is good because, see, in Jacksonville, you guys have summer weather all year round. And, and, and here in Cincinnati, we're, uh, we're tested by the cold a bit. Here's what happens, though, in Jacksonville. Let me st- let me explain to you what happens. Between 2 and 9 in the morning, we have winter. All right? And by winter, I mean uh, it's somewhere between 35 and 50 degrees, right? That's warm for us. That, well, that's, right. that's the dream day. I well, wear shorts on those days. Well, right. Well, I actually did. Let me tell you what happened. They <laughs> sent a package. They sent a package of built bars to my old address across the river. And I went across in shorts and flip-flops and got it. It's 82 degrees. So I'm not I'm not really trying to gloat and, and all of that stuff, but I'm just sure. letting you know it's 82 <laughs> degrees, man. You know what I'm saying? So uh Florida. You know what I hear? I hear what? I'm not really trying to gloat, but yeah. I live in paradise. Yeah. And it's yeah. great here. And yeah. we have Trevor Lawrence, or we're going to have Trevor Lawrence, and we That's have right. Urban Meyer, and there's so many beautiful reasons to smile. That's right, baby. In Jacksonville. That's right. <laughs> That's man. right. Here. That's right. So everybody always talking about Florida, man. Florida man might be wild, but Florida man's wearing shorts and flip-flops 11 months out of the year. Let's get right to it. Last week we really focused on quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about teams that needed quarterbacks, and I think the, the discussion is really more nuanced than that. And you and I both discussed this. There are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks, and most of them, ironically, need new coaches or get new coaches. So we're going to look at right now in the first segment some teams or the teams that got new coaches, and let's talk about the differences and the uh, distinguished uh, situations that they have or the the unique situations that they all have because they're all different, man. They're all, they all have different uh, scenarios. Then in the second segment – we're going to look at teams that actually did take first round quarterbacks last year and see how they fared and take a look forward to see what are they going to do this year in the draft and how are they going to build in year two. So it's basically targeted towards year one and year two. And then we're going to have a third segment where we're going to have a lot of fun. We got Peter Bukowski and, and Tyler Rowland from TikTok Titans. Look, man, they got some trouble down there. And look, I'm in the AFC South, and you thought the Texans had drama. We're starting to heat up in, in Tennessee and Nashville, too. This is where you have to be careful about not just talent, but who you pick in the draft. So that's our uh, third segment. So let's not bury it. Let's get right to it. Let's start in the the, uh, AFC East, the New York Jets. The New York Jets, I don't even know if they're going to get a new quarterback. They definitely have a new coach, though. And uh, what do you think about the Jets situation and how they're going to proceed and move forward uh, with their quarterback situation and their coaching situation? Man, to me... And I think this is sort of the take. Everyone's on the Zach Wilson train and, 
you know, maybe it's Justin Fields. Maybe you prefer Fields over Wilson, which I think I do. Anyways, uh, I think trading back might be wise here. Everyone's burying Sam Darnold, but he's still young and he's never played with anything. They went seven and nine in 2019. Last year, it never really felt like they had a shot. You could trade down four or five spots, get a Kyle Pitts, maybe get a Jalen Waddle or a Devontae Smith, maybe even Jamar Chase, even though I think that's a, a little less likely, and add picks and build uh, the core of this team. They have cap space, which is good as well. And, and so they can kind of go in the right direction here. Uh, the, the downside to that, I guess, is you have to pay Darnold sooner. Right, you have to make a decision sooner rather than later. And I get not wanting to commit $25, $30 million per season to Sam Darnold because then you end up in the, the same position the 49ers are in right now where you get a guy that you, you like, you don't love, and he's under a contract. Right, The same thing with Jared Goff, the same thing with Carson Wentz. So I, I actually think that the, the Jets, they have a, they're in a good spot. I think they hired the right coach, and now it's about making the, the right decision. Is Darnold the guy? And if he's not the guy, make up your mind right now, because I don't think they're going to be picking second next year. I don't know if they'll be uh, necessarily good in 2021, but I don't think they'll get a, a shot at the top quarterback in 2022. The way they started moving late in the year made me think that Joe Douglas either thought the quarterback that he would take wouldn't be the first overall pick. So you might as well win and teach your young players how to win or they really did. They really did believe that Sam Donald was just their guy, and it was still going to behoove them to, to just win games, as opposed to to tanking for anybody. Um, it's going to be interesting to see moving forward. I do like Mikai Becton, and and it's mm -hmm. real hard for me to sit here and talk about how I, how much I like a team, and all I keep doing is mentioning one one player, and it's the left tackle. But I do like Mikai Becton. The fact that there would be a market for Sam Darnold tells you a lot more about Sam Darnold than uh, a lot of us really want to admit. And that is that I think the change that he needed was Adam Gates being gone and then bringing somebody else new in. So mm -hmm. for him, I think it bodes well. Let's move on to uh, another team in the AFC, the Houston Texans. Now, Ooh. Houston Texans have a new coach. There's something about David Culley that I really, really do like. It, it reminds me of Bruce Arians. It reminds me of a guy that's been around forever that finally got his shot, right? Mm -hmm. And he, he's kind of off the cuff and he's a little bit different. He got his shot under weird circumstances. Almost feel bad for him that he got his shot under weird circumstances though. And I'm, and I'm wondering, is it going to be enough to change Deshaun Watson's mind? And is Bruce Culley going to have to start his situation under unfortunate situation, uh, start his coaching career, head coaching career under unfortunate situations where he always has to answer questions about Deshaun Watson not being there if they have to start the season with Watson holding out? The answer is yeah, because I, I don't think he's showing up. And I don't think the Texans are even picking up the phone right now with trade calls. But if you're Watson, you do have leverage. You just sit. And at some point, the Texans are going to have to trade you. It, 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 the, the precedent is there. And it's one that I'm familiar with because it happened a decade ago when Carson Palmer said, I'm done. I'm retiring. Told the Bengals to kick rocks. And he went to Southern California and he sat there and he waited and he got traded in October. And I, I think that that's probably not what's going to happen here because you have a deadline and the deadline is the NFL draft. And I think Watson was smart. I think you're going to see over the next couple of weeks, him come out and say, I'm never playing for the Texans again and, and be public about it because he's been good about it so far. 
right? And, and, and so I, I think that's the key. And if I'm David Cully, I want that to happen. Like you're not gonna repair this. I think it's too far gone. So instead of trying to repair something that's fractured, who wouldn't wanna start fresh with Justin Fields? Who wouldn't want to start fresh with Zach Wilson and, and a bunch of weapons, or maybe it's Trey Lance at the, the eighth pick or Mac Jones at the eighth pick, which sounds insane to me, but that, that's the, what the rumor has it. Plus Christian McCaffrey and three other first rounders like the, the Texans as dark as it is right now, they can use this as a springboard of the future. But if you hold on and I get it, it would be painful to trade Deshaun Watson, right. but if you hold on to him. It, it, it's just going to hurt you long-term. So I, I think that we do end up seeing a, a Deshaun Watson trade and it can be beneficial. I know a lot of people are saying you're never going to get equal value. No, maybe not, but you can springboard yourself into the future and set up Coley and, and the rest of the organization for success. And I think it, that's what it comes down to for Nick Casario, the general manager. He's a, in his first year too. It's a tough situation. He's going to have to come to terms with that, which would be really hard to do. Much easier for me to say than 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 to do. Certainly in his position. I'm with you. I, I'd rather go ahead and move on at this point. I know Deshaun Watson is great on and off the field. Uh, there's a group called LTD from back in the '70s that made a song called "Holding On," and the chorus went <laughs> like this: "Holding on is very hard to do when love is gone," and that's so right. And the thing is, is they need they need to move on, man, because you keep doing this, it's just going to be misery every single day. Uh, Let's move on. Uh, I don't have to go very far. I can look out my window. Let's talk about the Jaguars. This, to me, is the ideal situation for any young quarterback because you're the number one pick in the draft, and you're not the main focus of the franchise. The focus is the coach. I think it's the perfect insulator for a young quarterback, and Trevor Lawrence has run into a situation where all eyes will not be on him. All eyes will be on Urban Meyer, and uh, anything that goes wrong here is going to be blamed on Urban and not Trevor Lawrence. It is on Urban Meyer, and that's the one thing about having an alpha presence as coach, especially in his first year. He insulates the players from most of it, unless it's some, something off the field. Mm-hmm. The blame is going to go squarely, and you can you can you can say this about basketball players at Kentucky. You mm-hmm. can say this about basketball players at Duke. You can say this about. Anybody that plays for Phil Jackson, the blame is going to go on the coach. And right now, it's not as much as about assessing blame, and I don't want to go that route. But I'm talking about the pressure that comes along with being number one in the expectations. The expectations isn't for Trevor Lawrence to save the franchise. The expectations is for Urban Meyer to navigate the franchise and to insulate and raise Trevor Lawrence the way he should be. I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that's a really good point. And the college comparison makes a ton of sense because when Trevor Lawrence was a true freshman at Clemson, there was no pressure, right? And he goes and he wins a national championship and they're underdogs against Bama and they shred him, right? And, and that's, that's what you're talking about now in Jacksonville. They have a ton of cap space. Uh, obviously, they, they have the 25th overall pick as well. It's not just that first uh, overall pick. I'm, they could be good next year. Because there's question marks about Houston, as we've talked about. Uh, I think the Colts, yeah, they're they're clearly the favorites in that division, but we don't know about Carson Wentz. And, and then um, the, the the third team in that division, the Tennessee Titans, they can't stop a nosebleed right now, and they're going to have to add a lot to that defense. And we'll get into their uh, their gaff in the first round later in the show. So I think that the the window is suddenly open. And uh, for those that invested in Jag stock about mid season, mm. 
Well, you better just keep holding on to it because it's going to keep rising. It's like the housing market in America right now, man. It just keeps going up and up and up and it's pending. There's pending sales all over because uh, Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence are taking over. I I love the direction they're going. I can't wait to see what they do in free agency because they could do a lot, a lot of things. And I think that that, uh, that's as exciting as any part of this because they know they're getting their franchise quarterback and the pieces they can add around him going into that rookie campaign could be a lot of fun to watch the Jaguars this season. It absolutely could. So I'm going to run through these other teams real quick. A unique situation with the Chargers. They actually got their quarterback last year and he was rookie of the year, but the coach got fired. That's no, that normally doesn't, you normally don't see that. It doesn't go hand in hand. Kind of reminds me of Paul Westfall back in the day, winning a title with Magic Johnson as a rookie and getting fired as a coach. <laughs> it's weird, but it happens. So here's the thing. The Chargers are in a really good situation. What I think they need to do is finally get someone in who can stabilize the offensive line and, and do some things, probably in the strength and conditioning department, to keep so many guys from getting hurt. And injuries have crushed them. I mean, you talk about Derwin James, Melvin Ingram early in his career, and heck, he got dinged up again in 2020. It, it's always a roster where we're like, oh, they're really good. And, and then injuries have, have derailed it. And, and that's what happened again last season to a degree. I, I agree with you though. I, th- I think that they're, they're in a good spot. That was a good job to take. And it, they, uh, they have a good first round pick there. Who knows? Penny Sewell might be there. Wow. Right? I mean, I, I mean, I don't think so, but he might. And, and, and I, either way, I think that this is a good offensive line dress. You can do that. You can add another weapon or two if you're the chargers and, uh, and really take flight. And Brandon Staley is the guy that everyone says is the next young Fighter pilot. That's what I call all of these guys. I call the Sean McVeighs and the guy you have in Cincinnati and the guy that's in Green Bay. I call them all the fighter pilots. It's like they come out of nowhere real quick, right? And mm-hmm. they're stealth. And then, boom, all of a sudden they just show up. Let's go up to Detroit, man. And the weirdest hire, in my opinion, well, maybe that one in the one. Hide your kneecaps. Yeah, hide your kneecaps because they're going to get eight off, right? So, Dan Campbell, definitely entertaining. Uh, oh. I kind of like when guys – you know, that aren't expected to get jobs, get jobs, even though, you know, the Fritz Pollard stuff, they have a big, big time point. But this one is weird for me, and I don't know really what to take. Mark Brunel, a guy that I know very well, is the quarterback's coach up there. Uh, He comes from Jacksonville and goes up to Detroit. I don't know what to make of Detroit. I don't know what the direction is, but I could have said that any time over the last 30 years and been correct. And that's the thing is – it just doesn't feel buttoned up, right? Whether it's it's cool or not, whether it works out or not, it's just like, eh. And then they get some a couple firsts for Matthew Stafford. That makes sense. But Dan Campbell, really? You're buying into Jared Goff and Dan Campbell? Are they really going to compete with Aaron Rodgers? And as you said, the, the fighter pilot up there, and I think is the best of those guys, uh, of the young guns, outside of McVay. I already consider him kind of a uh, an old head. But yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, it's a a tough situation for sure. And what they do in the draft uh, certainly going to matter. I do like that they were able to get Deuce Staley in there at running backs coach. I thought that was a good hire, but again, the fact that that's even noteworthy, right? I I like who they got at running backs coach, you know, the quarterbacks coach Uh, it it, uh, feels like we're grasping and reaching a bit. So I'm not optimistic about the, the Lions future and no one is right now. I don't think Lions fans are who knows, maybe they exceed expectations, but uh it's going to start at quarterback. And I don't really believe in Jared Goff. I never really have, even in the Super Bowl year. And I think that's why Sean McVay moved on from him. 
let's hit the East Coast and go to Philadelphia, man, um, and talk about the <laughs> Eagles. Talk about Sirianni and his systems. Those systems we're going to run. We're going to put systems in place. Now, look, Sirianni may be a great coach who just had a bad press conference because he couldn't find his clothes. So, I, I, you know, it's this is all real weird, for you know, but he may turn out to be that. Sometimes kooky works. Sometimes weird works. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look at me. I'm sitting here hosting this podcast, right? So sometimes weird and, and unorthodox absolutely has favor. So what do you think uh, is going to happen there? I think they have to figure out the quarterback situation. I know guys like uh, that, it, that cover the team that don't think that they need to touch quarterback at all. That they just need to get uh, playmakers. I would get playmakers, and I think they're going to have to move on from guys like Zach Ertz. Uh, obviously, we've seen him move on from Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson already. They're going to just have to get under the cap. And uh, at that sixth spot, I could see a couple things. Offensive line, huge need for them. Certainly playmakers, huge need for them. Um, I, I think that I, I like Jalen Rager, by the way. I liked him coming out. And I get it. Justin Jefferson seemed like the natural fit and they should have picked Justin Jefferson. They got that wrong. It doesn't mean Rager's a bust, right? They, they got it wrong because they didn't pick Jefferson. And I don't think that's going to change, but Rager could still end up delivering. And I, I think it's time to get uh, a couple more weapons there. And I wouldn't touch the quarterback position unless you have a guy that you feel really strong about at six. And to me, maybe it's Justin Fields. I don't think Zach Wilson's going to be there. I don't think uh, obviously we know that Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be there. Obviously. I, I, I think you stick, well, you yeah. would know better than anyone, right? Yes, so yes. I think you stick with what you got here, right? And, and, and you go from with Jalen Hurts and you see if he can be the guy. He's a second round pick. And if it doesn't work out, well, then you're probably picking in the top 10 again next year and, and can work at, work on it from there. So that's, that's what I would do. And, and here's the other thing. And the, really the worrisome thing about Philadelphia, their cap situation is just dreadful. I mean, they're yeah. going to have to move on from some guys and, uh, and hope that they can uh, convince some, some low cost veterans to come to town to play with Jalen hurts on, on offense and defense to, to try to fill out the both sides of the ball. Long open the segment, but we'll close it off by talking about the Falcons. Arthur Smith takes over. This is the one that I think is boring, but sometimes boring works. And I do believe that this is going to be a very Tennessee Titan like deal over the, like a three or four year period. Once they can get comfortable enough to move on from Matt Ryan and whatever they decide to do in the draft this year, I think boring works here. And what I mean by that is you can be boring and be extremely solid. And I know I'm going to date myself here, but I remember when Joe Gibbs took over in Washington. He was boring. And guess what happened? He was he bored himself to three Super Bowls in 11 years. Wins. Okay? So I do truly believe that as boring as it may sound for some people and it's not really exciting, in three years we're going to look back and they're going to be knocking at the door and they're going to be a perennial 10 and 6 team and they're going to be somebody that that's always kind of hanging wow. around and they're going to be really, really solid. Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. One of those guys should end up in Atlanta. They should absolutely 100% go with quarterback here because you just said it. They have a Matt Ryan. They believe they've hired a competent coach. I get it. They have needs defensively. There are other rounds in the draft for that. There's no premier defensive player you're taking with the fourth pick in this draft anyways. Take your quarterback now because you're probably going seven and nine or eight and eight next year. And then you, then you could turn the keys over to a fields trade Ryan because the quarterback market in 2022 isn't going to be like it is now where there all these guys are floating around and there's trades. And stuff. I don't think it's going to be as crazy. Matt Ryan's going to have more value 
next off season. So forecast that take your quarterback. Now the heir to the throne, give him the keys next year, trade Ryan for assets. I think that's a, a no brainer. I do like the potential direction of the Falcons, but it starts at number four. Will they take a quarterback and will the one they want be there? That's the key. And I, I think fields or Wilson, either one, makes a lot of sense. Both mobile, both guys that to me in that Mercedes-Benz dome, it makes sense. I, they call it Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I think it makes a, a ton of sense to get either one of those guys. No doubt about it. We're going to take a look at the teams that have already made their move at quarterback a year ago. One of them we've already mentioned, the Chargers. We have two more and see what the prospects are for those teams moving ahead in year two. We'll do that in just a second here on Locked on NFL on a Wednesday. The NFL draft just a couple of months away, and Bet Online has all of the prop bets you could imagine. Yeah, the regular season and the NFL season over, but bet on the draft, whether it's Penny Sewell being the first tackle taken, maybe Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith being the first wide receiver taken. And don't forget the NBA, college basketball, NHL, all in full swing. They even cover awards, TV shows, reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Check them out right now, betonline.ag. And make sure you use promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You can use your mobile device. You can use your laptop. doesn't matter what you're using, but go to betonline.ag right now. Use promo code Locked On, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, man, we roll along here on a Wednesday. James Rapine and Tony Wiggins on Locked On NFL as we get around the league. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, man, we're covering everything you need to know about every single team in the league. But what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to hear a little bit a little bit of that too today in segment three, because Peter had my man Tyler Rowland on talking about the troubles and the problems with the Tennessee Titans. And there's nothing the Jaguar fans love to hear more about trouble in Nashville, even more so than trouble in Houston. They love to hear about trouble in Nashville. All right, we talked about the Chargers. We talked about Brandon Staley. We talked about the prospects that they have of, of trying to fix that team uh, with injuries, strength and conditioning, fixing the offensive line, uh, bringing a little bit more stability, uh, surrounding Justin Herbert with the things that he needs. So since we touched on that, let's move to one of James' favorite subjects, the Cincinnati Bengals, who (laughs) picked the quarterback number one overall last year, who I love to death, man. I love me some easy Joe. Joe Burrow. Got hurt last year, and I've probably spoken into existence because I said they're going to kill that boy. I saw him in training camp. It looked like a gazelle running from a pack of hyenas, and he he actually wasn't running. He got caught in the pocket in Washington and had his knee planted and had all kinds of stuff go wrong. How's Joe doing, and what's the process uh, moving forward for Cincinnati to try in year two to move on and, and try to elevate this franchise? Well, he's doing well. He's set to, to start throwing this month and and get on the, under the, the weight bearing treadmill, the underwater treadmill, start running and stuff like that. So I know he's hitting the weights hard. He's very motivated uh, to make a full recovery and be out there week one. As far as the Bengals are concerned to me, it's pretty obvious. And everyone's going to say Penny Sewell. 
I don't give a damn about Penny Sewell if he's generational or not. The offensive line should be fixed long before the draft rolls around. The Bengals have $45 million. Well, depending on depending on where the cap is at, between 180 and, and 185, wherever it gets set, between 40 and $45 million in cap space. They can free up another 20 million. Give Joe everything he could ever ask for. Like it's it's the the Trevor Lawrence thing that we talked about in Jacksonville. They're gonna get offensive line help, right? They're gonna probably add another weapon or two. Well, that's what I want the Bengals to do. And I think that's what they should do. Uh, not that they don't have needs on defense, but I would prioritize Joe Burrow. That's the future. That's the present. That's the why people are coming to see. They ain't coming to see Zach Taylor. There's no Urban Meyer in Cincinnati. All right. right? No one gives a damn about Zach Taylor in his 625 and one record. <laughs> they want to see Joe Burrow. And the way you put Joe in a position to succeed, keep him upright, give him weapons. And the Bengals, that starts with free agency. I would get proven offensive linemen. Then if Sewell's there, take him. And if he's not, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Kyle Pitts, you got you can have your take of skill players because there's just no stud defensive player I'm taking with the fifth pick, like I said, with the Falcons at four. So that's what I would do. And uh, really just try to do everything you can for Joe because when – People in Jacksonville or people in Atlanta or people in Los Angeles think of the Cincinnati Bengals. They think of one guy, Joe Burrow, and it's about making sure that he's successful in his second season. Yep. And, uh, I, you know, I'm big on Jamar Chase and the familiarity that Jamar Chase has with. He's a stud. Yeah. I was talking to John Ledger this weekend and um, he did a comp and I tried to guess. I, I guess Devontae Adams. He said, no, but you're close because he saw Devontae, too in Jamar Chase, but finally, he finally told me who he compared him to. And I saw that, I couldn't unsee it. I could not unsee it once he said it. Who? Antonio Brown. And he is exactly right. Because, of his, because of his release off the line, yep. his ability to, he has, and this is what I told Ledger. I said, Ledger, here's the thing about him. He's even with the corner. And when the ball gets in the air, he finds a way to separate. Yep. And then he catches the ball in traffic and he doesn't drop it. And that's the thing about him that reminds me of A.B. It's just different. And I don't, I love Devontae Smith, but if anybody thinks he's better than Devontae Smith, they need to go to rehab. I'm, I'm, I mean, that Devontae Smith is better. He's not. He's not. No. He's not. Jamar, I agree with you. Jamar Chase is a freak. And just because he's not built like that doesn't mean he's not a freak. Now, I have been seeing a lot of Kyle Pitts mocked to the Bengals. And I'm not against that at all. I'm not against that at all. And the reason why is because Joe does need that outlet. He needs mm -hmm. an outlet. He needs somebody he can get that ball to. And Pitts at 6'6", along with T. Higgins at 6'3", 6'4", I can see it. Along mm -hmm. with the running back, Mixon, I can see it. I can absolutely see it. So let's move to Miami and Tua. A couple of years ago, everybody was tanking for Tua. Tua's been the subject of all of these <laughs> trade rumors. Speaking of Devontae Smith, it came out. And I was hot that this information got out because I think it's irresponsible, but hey, we're in the media, so we enjoy it. Apparently a scout leaked the fact that he asked Devontae Smith, Tua or Mac Jones. And Devontae Smith said Mac Jones because he's, he's more decisive or something like that. That doesn't look good for Tua and it doesn't look good. Let's just say if Miami is committed to Tua and they thought about taking Smith, Oh, you're going to bring a guy in and just said that about the guy you committed to? So now it might cost that kid money. That's weird, man, that that happens. But the Dolphins, what do you think about – they're in a good position as far as having capital, draft capital, but they're also in a position where they have to start thinking and scratching their head, okay, what are we going to do? Do we trust our evaluation 
or do we go make the move? Do we un do we unlearn me tonsil our team and and go get Deshaun Watson and give them all of their draft stuff back for a quarterback? Yeah, right. And that's the dilemma. One, I would certainly absolutely 100% do that if you right. could because it's Deshaun Watson. That being said, you want to talk about the ideal Jamar Chase landing spot. I do think it's Cincinnati because Joe Burrow's better than Tua, but I don't know if he gets past Miami. That makes a ton of sense because he is a freak. And really, Tua, I think it's kind of been unfair. He comes off this hip injury. We don't even know if he's going to play as a rookie. They take him fifth overall for the reasons they do. And was he underwhelming? Absolutely. Of course, he was underwhelming compared to Joe Burrow, who was overcoming all of these flaws in this flawed Bengals team. It was pretty obvious. You saw him. You know, he was winning a couple games, was beating Washington the moment he got injured. And then Justin Herbert, oh, what did he do? Well, he had a record-setting 31 touchdown pass year. Well, of course it's going to feel underwhelming for Tua. But to me, that is, that's the time to buy a guy like Tua. Like, I, I would be in on him. Like, if he was suddenly for, for sale, and maybe the Dolphins like one of these other quarterbacks in the draft, right, and they just fall in love with Justin Fields. Okay, well, I'll buy Tua on the cheap. I'm down with that. I, I would invest a, a pick in that. Or if I'm Houston – Oh, well, you can throw Tua in. We, we want all these first, though, because he's already a bust. I would doubt, I would totally treat it that way. Yeah, Jared Goff him. Just put him in the deal. We'll take, we'll take yeah, his contract. I right? guess we'll take him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but no, I, I, I like the direction of the Dolphins. I think it's very clear Brian Flores is the guy there. Uh, they switched out offensive coordinators. We'll see if that helps, too, if he's still there. And, and really, that's the thing. You, you trust Flores to, to have a good defense. Maybe you just go all in on Watson. And, and, and the other thing they could do in the draft, I could see them taking either Chase or Sewell. Because to me, they went after a couple tackles last year in the draft, but either one of those guys could be moved to guard. You can move Jackson to guard if you wanted to. And so if you do that, you take Sewell. Suddenly you're, you're feeling much, much better about your offensive line long-term. So I like the direction of the Dolphins. And man, that third pick, I can't believe they're picking third. It's uh, it's wild. It's a it's a good spot for them to be in after winning ten games. What's their other pick? Is it eighth? Oh, the, the Panthers are picking eighth. Who? So Miami has so another pick. It might be real late, but I tell you what, I wouldn't be shocked if they did if they decided to move down. And I know they have Jasicki. I wouldn't be shocked if Miami took Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Really. I would not. I would not be that, surprised. That would be Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski type stuff. That's exactly what it would be because you're talking they about have the 18th pick. 18th. Okay, yeah. So that would be too late. I would not be shocked if they took Pitts and then with that second pick, go wide receiver or offensive line because that's a that's around the point where you're talking about other wide receivers or other offensive linemen. If they mm -hmm. could move down, maybe get somebody to come up and maybe they go down to five or six or something like that and secure another second or a third round pick. I would not be. I'm thinking with Flores, he's still thinking with a New England mindset. And I would not be shocked that if he does that and gives Tua the same thing we were talking about, giving Joe Burrow another outlet, someone who can stretch the middle of the field. Tua's a short guy, so he needs those targets. He, he doesn't need to be trying to fit balls into these little small windows. He needs to be able to throw the ball to people that have a high catch radius. And I think Kyle Pitts would absolutely help him. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We talked about teams in year one of their rebuild. We talked about teams in year two of their rebuild. Now we're going to talk about teams that are in year four or five of their rebuild, but just probably might've lost a year of their rebuild because their draft last year stunk. In hindsight, it was no good. 
We're talking about Tennessee Titans, and nothing makes me happier than to say that. Sorry, Titan fans. But we're going to do that in just a second here in our third and final segment and a look at the draft on Locked On NFL. We're all fighting the quarantine bod right now. Everybody. Everybody's trying to recover from what has been a year-long pandemic that hopefully the end is in sight soon. But we want to stay in shape, right, or we want to get in shape in 2021 and built bar can help you do that. We talk about them all the time here on locked on NFL. They're the number one protein bar on the planet. You're talking about 18 amazing flavors, every single bar covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And there's something from everyone from coconut to banana bread to raspberry, lemon, almond, cheesecake, and maybe some of the classics, caramel, brownie, cookies, and cream, mint, brownie, peanut butter. Check them out right now builtbar.com. You're not going to regret this because they're stacked and packed with protein, low in sugar, perfect for you and low in calories too. So it's a perfect post-workout snack, midday snack. If you're at the office, check them out, builtbar.com. Be sure to use promo code locked on. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. No doubt. We're back here on a Wednesday edition in the third and final segment here on Locked On NFL, where we focus on the NFL draft. I got to remind you guys, every single Wednesday, you get to see me and that guy that's looking down right there at his computer monitor. His name is James Rapine, and I'm Tony Wiggins. <laughs> you, know what we do every, you know what we do every Wednesday? We talk NFL. We go around the NFL, and we talk about everything that's going on, give you the news and the notes from around the NFL in an unorthodox way. And then in the third segment, we always talk NFL draft, either with the guest or with a mock draft or with just a look ahead or a retrospective look back. So we have fun for two segments, and then we get down to the nuts and bolts of really talking about the NFL draft in segment three. Join us every single Wednesday here on Locked On NFL and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. All right, so Tyler Rowland and uh, my man Peter Bukowski on Locked On uh, today had a had a conversation about a young man, Isaiah Wilson. This is very, I think it's serious. I think something may be going on with the kid because he's had so many problems. I'm not going to give it away, James. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let everybody hear for themselves the issues that have been going on, not only in Tennessee, and I joke about it because I'm a Jaguars. Uh, I cover the team, but it's a very serious issue, I think. So I'm going to let them hear why it's very important for teams to vet players and to understand exactly what you're getting. Not so that they won't pick them, but so they can put them in a position, James, and I'll get you to comment on this, so they can put them in a position so they know how to deal with them and help them and, and get them to cope with, you know, coming into new money, coming into a situation where, you know, they're in a fishbowl and all of those things. I'm not saying that the Titans didn't do those things, but we're in a situation now where you might see a kid who's played his last game and he's only played, I think, four snaps or, or in four games for the Titans, and it's a sad situation. Last night, Former Titans first round pick Isaiah Wilson put a fitting coda on what was a truly bizarre rookie season, tweeting, I'm done with football as a Titan. No further comments. Joining me now from Locked On Titans, Tyler Rowland. And Tyler, this is not the first time Wilson has been in the headlines since he was taken in the first round last spring. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for him and for the Titans, it has been in every case for all the wrong reasons. Yes, uh, absolutely. It has been uh, quite a saga to follow uh, here on the ground, just to give the listeners an idea of the timeline here. 
So the Titans take Isaiah Wilson with the first pick in the NFL draft, or with their first pick in last year's draft, pick number 29 in the first round, and immediately gets off to a rocky start when he has a very awkward moment between his mother and his girlfriend on draft night on TV. So that was already Mm -hmm. like, oh, that was weird. (laughs) Maybe we should have paid attention to that a little bit more than we did. But going after that, Isaiah Wilson comes into camp. He's out of shape. He's not taking football very seriously. He's not taking coaching. He's late to meetings. There are problems there. So that's initially the start. Then you go a little bit further into the offseason, and Isaiah Wilson gets in trouble with law enforcement at Tennessee State at a party on campus. Their campus police, because of COVID protocols, they weren't allowed to have parties at Tennessee State. And Isaiah Wilson even told the cops that he was considering jumping off the balcony to get away. Luckily, he did not do that. Uh, then you go further. He had two different st- stints on the COVID list during the season due to violated protocols based on him. It wasn't chance. It was things he was doing to violate protocol. Not only that, he also had a DUI during the season where he was drunk doing donuts in an intersection in downtown Nashville at like 2 a.m. in the morning. Completely irresponsible as any person, let alone a football player. Not long after that, he got into another car accident where he rear-ended somebody at a light. That is just the stuff off the field. You add in the fact that the Titans sent Isaiah Wilson home late in the season, put him on the non-football injury suspension list, and just told him to get the heck away from here. It all culminates with John Robinson last week saying Isaiah Wilson, who was in the building, was not the guy that they scouted last year. He has to decide if he wants to be a professional football player. He had some damning comments about Twitter, uh, about you know using bios, wanting to be a football player, an NFL player, but not actually wanting to put in the work. So So at this moment in time, coming to this point where Isaiah Wilson is tweeting out he doesn't want to be a Titan anymore, he's done with football as a Titan, and then deleting the tweet, I mean, that is the timeline here. And at this moment in time, I don't see how anyone involved with the Titans organization or any fan of the team could want this guy around anymore. And what makes this even more troubling for the Titans is this was a playoff team, a team in the AFC Championship game a year ago. They get back to the playoffs, and yet, They had some major whiffs this offseason, including and especially Wilson. It's not hard to imagine things playing out a little bit differently for them if Wilson is someone who can actually contribute for them in year one. I'm sure when they drafted him, they expected him to do that. And, and, you know, there were some other guys like the Jadavion Clowney signing was supposed to be a big a, a needle mover for them, and it didn't really do that. Yes, this this is is really something that could set back this franchise. Yeah, it's something that I've talked about on my show. I think not only is this maybe the worst offseason of John Robinson's, it definitely is the worst offseason of John Robinson's tenure with the Titans, but this may be an all-time bad offseason for a general manager in the NFL. The Isaiah Wilson first pick. Christian Fulton in round two barely played throughout the year. Even when he was healthy late in the year, he was a scratch. Darrington Evans, a rookie running back in the third round, barely played this year due to injury. The Titans certainly could have used an explosive pass-catching running back to balance and help Derrick Henry and diversify the offensive attack. Going further, fifth-round defensive lineman Larell Murchison was not good and actually got supplanted by an undrafted free agent in Tyre Tart. You look at seventh-round cornerback, 
Chris Jackson. He was one of the worst graded and spent most of the season as the worst graded cornerback in the NFL per pro football focus. You look at the colossal failure that was Vic Beasley, mm. where he didn't show up for the first 10 days of training camp. They cut him midseason without any production whatsoever. Clowney, I'm not going to knock that. In theory, the Clowney signing made sense. He got hurt. He was still produ- productive when he was out there. But you look at all of those different, and not to mention, John Robinson signed off on outside linebacker coach Shane Bowen becoming the pseudo defensive coordinator without actually giving him the title, which is confusing in itself. So John Robinson signed off on that terrible coaching decision. He had a terrible draft. He had a terrible free agency. And like you said, with where the Titans were, I know that I cover the Titans. There may be some bias here, but in an 11-5 division winning team that had a home playoff game, if John Robinson doesn't have an F offseason and even has a C-plus, offseason there is a chance that with a banged up Patrick Mahomes the Titans get back to a Super Bowl I don't think that's hyper uh, hyperbolic to say that Um, you look at a team like the Buccaneers who had some really strong contributors from their rookie class if the Titans had anything even close to that I think that it's not a slam dunk but it would definitely be a possibility that the Titans would have gotten to a Super Bowl and in my opinion last year was the best season possible for the Titans to make a Super Bowl run with the current group that they have. And I fear that based on John Robinson's miserable all-time bad offseason, I'm worried that that may have closed the door on the Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry Titans making it to a Super Bowl. All right, there you go, man. A lot of wild stuff going on. Uh, Peter Bukowski and Tyler Rowland on Locked On Today talking about – Isaiah Wilson and the entire situation down in Tennessee for a team that made the playoffs last year. They didn't take the jump that people expected because they didn't get a lot of help out of that draft. So we joke around, but some of those things are serious, but some of those things are also the reasons why down the line, you start seeing GMs get fired because, you know, you start reaching for talent and you don't really vet the entire situation. And uh, that's why it's so important. This process is so important. You could argue that, in the area of the virtual scouting, Tennessee did not do a good job last year. Yeah, I, I, I do wonder. I wonder what, how that process was. I will say this, in the moment, I thought Isaiah Wilson was a great pick. I was like, man, they're, they're revamping their line. They lost Jack Conklin in free agency. He's a, a young kid. He's a guy that I think the Bengals were interested in at 33. They ended up picking T. Higgins. But think about that. I mean, that, that's a for that to happen, a first round pick in this day and age and potentially be out of the league after one season, it's extremely hard to do it, right? It's some of those the crazy tales of, you know, the Ryan Leafs and the Jamarcus Russells where they're just the, the historic bust. And a guy like Isaiah Wilson, you hope he can figure it out, get his head on straight. It doesn't sound like it's going to be in Tennessee. It won't be in Tennessee. But just – see if he's the the guy that everyone thought he could potentially be coming into the, the, the draft, right? Because he was a first to second round prospect and he quickly rose up draft boards because he was like a, a second to third rounder. And then suddenly it was like, man, I don't know if he's going to be there in the second round. And he wasn't. And good for him. I thought, I thought he was going to be in a position to succeed with a good organization. And it's just not the case or successful organization too. But uh you hope he can figure it out. And it is, it's a, a sad story and it's, it's quickly unraveled. I talked to a couple of people in, in Tennessee mid season. Cause I was just shocked at the stuff I was seeing, right. Just the, the COVID thing alone, 
testing positive for COVID twice and breaking protocols and stuff like that, you're like, all right, something's not right there. If a first round pick's doing this twice, you mess up once, it's one thing. You mess up a second time. And obviously there was a lot more to it. So a really, really sad situation. Doing, doing donuts downtown and crashing your car into a building, that, that's the one because you could have hurt somebody. No doubt. No not, doubt. Not, not to mention yourself. You could have actually hurt and killed someone else. And that's, that's the part that, to me, makes you go, oh, no, 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 no. We can't have that. So uh, I hope for the sake of that kid that he's okay. But I also understand that the Titans have to do what they have to do. Uh, and I'm sure at some point somebody's going to think they have the magic potion in the formula to give him another chance. But uh, hopefully he gets a chance and he doesn't, you know, screw it up and, and end up hurting somebody. But you guys have fun and enjoy uh, the draft talk. The uh, draft Twitter is in full effect. Of course, I'm the biggest idiot in Jacksonville right now. You know how that goes uh, when people read uh, and, and listen to the podcast. But that at least comes you can with, wear shorts. That, that's right. I can wear shorts. That comes with the territory, James. Um, until next week, for James Rapine and Tony Wiggins here on Locked On NFL, you guys take care of each other and keep taking care of each other, and we'll see you uh, here next week safe and sound on Locked On NFL.